Hello and welcome to Gully Boys of Cricket, the voice of fans, where fans can speak their mind with no holds and also keep share the trophy request to ICC alive. I'm your host Prakash Vatva. In this podcast, we continue our conversation with Gully Boy Priyansh Chandra from India, previewing India South Africa Test series. This is part two of our conversation, and this part talks about the South African perspective, putting a spotlight on some key names and opportunities that lie ahead. Talking about the series which is coming up between India and South Africa, it is a key series if you look from South African perspective because they are going through this phase. They have just lost Amla, they have lost AB, Stain is gone. And also for some of these players, because players like Markram, players like uh, Bavuma, they have very little to lose in this series, but there is so much they can gain if they do well in these conditions. Let's talk about Markram. Uh, One of the things which strikes me in his case is his leadership. You know, right now he's not really the captain of the team. He has captained the ODI team in the absence of FAF before, but he is the only one who has won South Africa World Championship as a leader under 19 team in 2014, which stood out for me because we talk about South Africa not winning World Championships. Here is someone who has done it for them. He has had a short career in test cricket, only 17 tests. Talk us through, Priyansh, why and what is it about Markram that we should be watching out for on this particular series? The first point is you look at his age. You know, for someone who's played 17 tests, he's quite young. He's 12 days short of turning 25. Generally, you talk about openers, you think of rock-solid openers who've been very consistent or aggressive ones like Sevag, David Warner, Chris Gale, are the ones who could defend their way through toughest attacks and then score big like Alistair Cook, Dean Elgar. However, off late, the last two or three years for test openers have been terrible. Just pick up any recent series and the numbers will tell you. Whether it be West Indies versus India, the Ashes, you will see the openers are struggling. And amongst all that, having played over 30 innings in Test cricket, Aidan Markram has 400s and averages almost 44. That's very, very impressive, especially when you mind the fact that despite not looking like he's the most aggressive guy going around, he has a strike rate of almost 65. So that also stands out for an opener who scores quickly and plays orthodox shots. Now that's what makes Markram special. He's got all his runs in South Africa. He's only played one series outside South Africa in Sri Lanka and he wasn't much impressive there. Now they say that the most difficult place as an opener is South Africa. If you can do well there, then there's a good chance that you will do extremely well in other conditions. But this tour, this tour will be baptism by fire for Aidan Markram. And if he does well over here, then he's going to establish himself as the backbone for a long, long time. You're right. He has had just one tour to the subcontinent. He has nothing to show in those four innings. And in fact, uh, he just got 100 in that uh, draw. The South Africa A game versus India A game. Something for Markram to make him feel good in these conditions. Bowlers like Kuldeep Yadav, Umesh Yadav, they were playing in that game. So it was uh, a proper test match attack he was facing. The other thing, you know, which stands out for me that you mentioned about uh, this crossover batsman that he is, he's neither Sehwag nor Elgar. He has that fearlessness of Sehwag, but still, you know, he gives you a sense of that proper test batsman. So there is something in between that he brings 
which I like what the way you uh, put it. You know, I'm, I'm a little surprised when I see at the ODI numbers and there could be different reasons why he is not yet established himself in ODI, but he's definitely a multi-format player for me. Could possibly be their next big thing. He might not be somebody like A.B. De Villiers who's going to win you matches all alone, but he's going to be somebody like Hashim Amla who at his peak can compile probably a 10,000 runs in space of a half a dozen years or something like that. So he can be the run machine that South Africa need right now with all those big guns gone. Even the bigger point for him is he's got somebody like Faf as his captain and as a senior batsman. So that's probably one of the best guys you can have in your team. And you never know if in the next five or more years he will be the South African captain to lead them to their first ever global championship trophy. You know, one thing uh, stands out for me, we were talking about it uh, in one of our other conversations too, Priyansh, is the clarity of the role. Once a batsman or even a bowler, he has a clarity of what his role is in the team. You start to flourish. For example, in test matches, it may be very clear for Markram that he's the opener. This is his role. And he has that clarity of mind. The numbers show in the success he has had. But in the ODI so far, like you had Decock at top, then you had Amla. He was batting with De Villiers, with Faf. I wonder if he had that clarity of role in the ODI. So maybe this whole new setup, South Africa coming fresh after the World Cup, if this would give him that space that he needs in the ODIs to establish himself as well. As far as the test matches are concerned, this coming series, I believe and I agree with you that this is a huge, huge moment for Markram. As you said, clarity of thought, that's the most important thing. I will agree with you on the fact that you said in one day he doesn't have the clear role. Even in the World Cup, sometimes he's batting at three, sometimes he's opening the innings. When he made his debut in one day against Bangladesh, he was batting at four, five, then open, then three, then drop, again opening. So that might have made him a little bit too confused. Then he was in between, made the captain. If you see his list of stats, they are very impressive. A couple of seasons ago, he was averaging around 37 in list A cricket. And now he averages over 44. Has a strike rate of almost 100. Has 800s to go by his name. So those are very impressive stats. And I won't be surprised if he's able to transition those domestic stats to the international level much sooner than we expect him to. Here is someone who, has, uh, who we believe has a great future who should be a modern day great for South Africa in times to come. And the other word which came up several times in our conversation today, Priyansh, is captaincy, leadership, responsibility. Even for South Africa to pick him as a captain in an ODI series in the absence of FAF shows the sign of where things will be heading in the future. If you talk about the leadership roles, then it's a must that we also talk about the current T20I captain, and that is Quinton de Kock. As soon as Hashim Amla and A.B. de Villiers are gone, amongst South Africa, they have lost the experience of 238 test matches. And suddenly, Quinton de Kock with 40-odd test matches, it's actually exactly 40 test matches, he's their second most experienced batsman after Fab Duplessis. This is the first work where we are going to see Quinton de Kock as a senior player who should know what his role is and has to come out on top in order to ensure that South Africa do extremely well. Didn't get to 
tour to India the last time they came here because he wasn't a certainty in Test cricket back then. But times have changed since then. He's their number one keeper and one of their best batsmen. So probably we are going to see the best of Quinton Decock in the subcontinent conditions. And you never know. Maybe he could be asked to ditch the gloves, give them to Klaassen and play as a proper batsman in the middle order. You know, I'm with you on that. This may be the first time that Decock feels that responsibility on him because there is no Amla, there is no De Villiers. Most of his cricket that he has played in red ball would have been under those names. So when you come out to bat, when Amla has batted, when De Villiers is batting with you, it's a lot different than coming out as someone on whom the game depends or on whom the youngsters are looking up to. So I don't see Decock's role changing much on this tour, although he may feel the additional responsibility. What if he goes the A.B. de Villiers path? A.B. had the likes of Graham Smith, Jack Collis, Ashley Prince too, you know, and de Villiers started to uh, into his own when all these big names left. When he ditched gloves, became the proper batsman, and we know what happened next. Mr. 360 degree, a game changer in his own way. So what if Decock does the same thing? You know, maybe ditch gloves, move to number three or four. As we know, he's a very good player of spin. That might be where he's best suited for. And if he clicks, and if this position clicks for him, maybe he could be the next A.B. de Villiers for them. I, I like that suggestion. I mean, it's some, something completely out of the box. I agree with the, the core point that you're mentioning, which is, in this South African eleven, when they come out on the field, right after Faf, Decock is going to be the number two guy for them on the field. And that has to show in what he does with his bat. No matter where, where he scores those runs from, which position. One guy we can't ignore is obviously one of the best openers going around right now. And that's Dean Elgar. He is going to play as an opener and we know that. So you can't expect him to do Things like playing with the tail, revolving with the middle order. Because he has to do his own job of surviving the spinners early on, of seeing the new ball. So maybe he and Makram can do that job, get them to a good start. But then it comes to what happens after these two are gone. Which brings us to the other guy, who is also very crucial for them. Timba Bavuma. 36 matches. He has only got 100. Averages 33. But you know, the best part about Temba Bavuma is that he gets those tough runs. Whenever you feel that the team is in trouble, the batsmen, the big guys aren't scoring, you will always see Bavuma chipping in with a 60, 70, 50 or 80 odd. Beat is his 100 against England in the second test when it was a flat deck and, of, and South Africa had to ensure that they got as close to England as they could. He got his maiden 100. Even when he toured India, he didn't get a big score, was asked to open, but looked like he was someone who was here to stay. He doesn't have a 400-run series or a 500-run series, but he gets those 250 or 300 runs at the toughest possible times. So for me, Temba Bavuma is going to be their connecting link. Like He should be the one who bats with the tail. He's the one who is going to hold the middle order and the tail together. As we are seeing with the test matches these days, you know, we are hardly seeing anything going into the fifth day. They are becoming more and more of these four-day test matches and it's becoming a game of uh, mental toughness. 
And that's where I think Bavuma is the right kind of player. You know, you don't need to be those big hundred guys that you have to get those 150s or double hundreds. Even those 60s and 70s under tough conditions in matches which go just 250, 300 runs, they make the difference. He could be a great factor, an X factor on this trip, actually. He, along with Markram, you were talking about Elgar. We know what he brings, what we can expect from him, the toughness, and you know he's going to stick around, play out the hours, get his runs. We can't say that about, say, Markram or Bavuma. If they are on the crease for three hours, that could actually impact the context of the match completely. So for that reason, Bavuma and Markram, for me, are the X factors as far as South African batting is concerned in these conditions. Sometime or other, you have to step up and set an example. Like Sri Lanka went to South Africa and beat them in their own backyard. Something which is still a very big achievement. True. Considering the fact that most teams struggle there. So South Africa have to do something like that. Like we are the South African team and we have historically been known for our toughness and we are going to do it again. Irrespective of the conditions or the players we are facing. If you ask me, it's these new guys that we are talking about. The Markrams the Bavumas and the Dubrians, who for me are really an unknown entity in the subcontinental conditions. We don't know what they bring out. I mean, they could actually make or break the series for South Africa and not necessarily the Fafs and the Decocks. So as we say of unknown names, one name we have been continuously mentioning is Thanos Dubrain. Many people might not know him. For starters, he hasn't played a lot, only nine test matches, averages just Slightly over 20. He has got only 100, no 50s. So on face of it, you won't expect much from him. But if you want to check out like the potential he has, look up for the 100 he got in Sri Lanka. He was the only person for South African team who got 100. They, they only got two 50s in the series. One was from Babuma, the other being 100 by Dubrain. He was someone who had mastery in playing spin. He was playing sweeps, reverse sweeps. And those things could be very crucial in subcontinent. This could also be his series. This could be another star born in this series. You know, Priyansh had asked me to look at the highlights of the Sri Lanka game. Uh, the one you were mentioning, the century got in the second innings in Sri Lanka. This was only the highlights I was watching. Some of his shots, they instantly reminded me of De Villiers. Not just the style and the shape he got into. It was more of the, the time he had before the ball came to him. Also, in the time and age we live in, with all these different formats, I don't think we have come to a stage yet where a newcomer walks into test cricket and you start seeing reverse sweeps from him. You know, this is a, a series where we might see who the future shoulders of South African cricket are going to be. Who are the people who are going to carry that flag of South Africa in tests? If you look at these names who don't have much of track record in subcontinental conditions, who haven't played much in these conditions, there's hardly anything to lose for them. There's not much of an expectation coming into it, except what they have shown from their talent. Not much that people are expecting from them, that like A.B. de Villiers or Amla. So whatever they do, it's all theirs to gain for their legacy, for their future. If you, you know, talk about the subcontinent conditions, the next guy I would like to bring up is Keshav Maharaj. South Africa are coming in with three spinners over here. Keshav Maharaj, Dane Pete. Dane Pete even visited India in 2015, got a fifer there. Though didn't play much after that. Only has seven games to show 24 wickets. 
but Keshav Maharaj, he has been the mainstay since they got done with Imran Tahir. Now, 25 matches, 94 wickets. That's very impressive for a spinner, irrespective of where he's playing. But then you think of the fact that he's mainly played in South Africa. You know, South Africa, a place that is almost a graveyard for the spinners. Think of just three names from South Africa, three spinners from South Africa who have done in red ball, well in red ball, because I can't think of any. If we think of someone in recent times, then it was Imran Tahir played about 20 odd tests. You know, and for someone like Imran Tahir, who was extremely good bowler in limited overs cricket, for him to fail in international level with the red ball, it was surprising. But that's what I want to say. South Africa isn't a place that produces spin-friendly wickets, so it's extremely tough for them to survive. Nicky Boye comes to mind. He was around for a while. You know, when you talk of great spinners in test matches, you think of uh, spinners who can run through an innings, like pace bowlers. I mean, Donalds and Staines and Pollocks, they could run through an innings, have five or six wickets and bowl teams out. That kind of spinner, I don't recall. Paul Adams for his action comes to mind. That was a great question. It surprises me, even in this 15, when we look at uh, that South Africa has, Keshav Maharaj is one. Yeah, he's been around, he's been around for a while. But there are no other big names or even relatively known names. And now this is where I want to highlight the fact that how good Maharaj has been. He's only visited subcontinent once in Sh- when he came to Sri Lanka last year. And can you think going into a test match in Sri Lanka, that was the second test they played with only one spinner. And in the first innings of that game, he ended up picking nine wickets. Nine wickets in a single innings when he was the lone spinner in subcontinent conditions. That's how good, commanding and reliable Keshav Maharaj is. On the other side, sometimes you, when you have these spin-friendly conditions, you know, there could be that extra pressure on the spinner if he's the lone one. So it's going to be an interesting series from that perspective for Keshav Maharaj. Can he handle that pressure of doing it all alone? Unlike Sri Lanka, here the batting lineup is way stronger. Like, it isn't dependent yes. on only one Demut Karuna Ratne and Angelo Matthews. There's, you can't just get away with anybody. It starts with Rohit Sharma and Mayank Agrawal, most likely. Then the wall, Pujara, Virat Kohli, Ajinkya Rahane, Rishabh Pant, Ravindra Jadeja, Ashwin. Everybody can bat. So it's going to be extremely tough. And if he does well over here, then just almost a certainty that he's the greatest ever red ball spinner they have produced. He almost presented this as an opportunity for Keshav Maharaj. That if he does well, then he, just because of the lack of quality spinners ahead of him, before him, this may be a chance to establish himself as one. It's also going to open for him the doors as a limited over bowler. You know, it was Imran Tahid with him gone. They don't know who's up next. Most importantly, this is a huge opportunity for the South African team to establish or re-establish themselves as the best test team in the world going around. I agree with you, Priyansh, that this is a great moment for South African team going through transition. It's a key period. First time coming out without Amla and De Villiers, the combination of them without Stain. So it's going to be a huge responsibility on these names we talked about. But at the same time, it's a huge opportunity as well. If there is anything to be wary of, it's for the Indian team because the other players have barely anything to lose. So we hope for a great competitive series coming up, three test matches. Let's hope we have great quality of test cricket again. 
Thanks Priyansh for your views always insightful and enlightening. Now you can also be a gully boy feature on these podcasts with your ideas, your themes. Simply contact No Boundaries platform. Thank you everyone for listening to Gully Boys of Cricket. We'll see you next time.